have, we have several kilns, and a kiln is just, uh, it's a way to fire pottery is all that it is, is it's a way to harden or solidify a piece of pottery. And if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks, we're in the middle of a series called Vessel of Honor. And uh, the reason we're in this series is, is in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul writing to Timothy, he says in God's house, he's got, God's got a big, great, grand house. And in his house, there's lots of vessels. And some vessels are for honor, some vessels are for dishonor. And he says, but if, you, if you're willing to, God wants, the master wants to prepare you for his use. He wants to make you a vessel of honor. And uh, he, wants to, he wants to take what he's given you. And we, we spent a whole Sunday just talking about God's given us some clay, right? The Bible says that he formed Adam out of the dust or out of the clay. He breathed his life into Adam. And that man became a speaking spirit, a living being, or he became Adam, which just means God-man. And God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all worked in the creation of man. He breathed life into man. And then once he came alive, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he gave him a woman, took a rib out fashioned Eve and then he told them he said be fruitful multiply take dominion name all the beasts of the field the, the fish of the sea the fowl of the earth whatever you call them that's what they're going to be and God the original plan is he formed this person and breathed his spirit into him but the Bible says through one man Adam sinned and we all know the story Adam and Eve they sinned but then God he had a plan I mean I'm glad he had a plan the Bible says through another man, Jesus Christ, he came back. Or the one, one uh, title for Jesus is the next Adam. He created, he worked in the next Adam, or he worked in his son. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. That Jesus came and undid what Adam did. And he became the last Adam. or the, 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 uh, He reigns forevermore. How many of y'all know there won't be any more? Now, the Bible says what Jesus did, he did it once, and he did it for all people, and he did it for all time. And you can't earn it. You just have to receive the abundance of grace. So he, take, we, he gives us our life. He, he, every person in here, your life is a vessel. you got a lump of clay, right? He said, before you were ever in your mama's womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you. I formed you. I fashioned you. And whenever you came out, you came out with a destiny. But back in 1 Timothy, he says, but you're going to have to cleanse yourself of some things. So we took raw clay the second week and we just started getting that clay ready for the wheel. Because when clay comes out of the ground, it's got rocks, sticks, grubs, all types of stuff in it. And you got to prepare that clay. And we spent a Sunday just because the Bible says that you have to cleanse yourself of some things. You have to cleanse yourself of youthful lust. There's certain people that you don't need to be hanging out with. That they, they don't bring anything to you. They only take things away from you. And they keep you from accomplishing the will of God. And there was not a lot of tambourine dancing that Sunday. Wasn't a ton of people running around the church with their hankies out because it was really just a sobering Sunday where we said, God created us a clean heart. If there's anything in me that don't need to be there, I want to be a vessel of honor. Help me get it out. Help me work that stuff out because I don't know about you, but you can be real pretty on the outside. But when you get in the fire, things that if that, that clay's not ready, then it will explode. And then last week we actually had a wheel up here and we started making, or I had Allison come up here, she does ceramics, and she took a bunch of water. And with her, the potter, the lump of clay, and with the water, she began to form 
or fashion that. And the first scripture in, the middle, in your worship guide uh, under our, our teaching is the scripture in Jeremiah where the Bible says that, that God told Jeremiah, he says, I want you to go to the potter's house. And when you get to the potter's house, you're going to see a potter sitting at a wheel. And he says, as the, as the clay is in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hands. So are you, that you're the clay, he's the potter. And last week, Allison was the potter, right? She had the clay, but the, but the, 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 the thing that she used to work that clay was the hands of the potter, her hands, but also water. And we looked at all through scripture, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit represents water, that the Holy Spirit, he comes down like rain and things that are dry, they aren't dry anymore. Seeds that have fallen, uh, there's a desert uh, that I was reading about last week, and, and uh, it hadn't got rained in, in 22 years. I think it, it hadn't gotten any rain in 22 years. But last year, it got its first rain in 22 years, and they took pictures of this desert. And there was, as far as I could see, there was millions of flowers that had come up. There was 22 years of seeds that had been laying in that desert. They'd been laying there dormant for 22 years, but that rain came. And then babies began to sprout. And it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's just like a field of flowers in the middle of this desert where the rain. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit, he's like rain. And we can actually, he says, he says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll rain on your kids. He'll rain on your family. He'll rain on your finances. He'll rain on your business. He'll rain on your heart. The Holy Spirit, he comes like water. And he says he satisfies. Have you ever been thirsty? More than one day or two days or three days, you find out real quick that water is a necessity. It's not, it's not just a luxury. You get to a point to where you have to have it. You thirst for it. That this whole earth revolves around water. Your brain is made of water. Your blood is made of water. If I took water out of you, you would be in trouble. You would look like a California raisin. I mean, y'all remember those guys? It's what you would look like, right? But the Holy Spirit, so, so just as natural water is vital to your body, so is the Holy Spirit, he's vital to us. And now that brings us to the place, because we left last week with, with there was a pot that was made, right? This is not the pot Allison made. This is a pot that my, that my daughter made uh, a couple weeks ago. Isn't it cute? Her little finger is just sitting there pulling on this little pot. Boy, it's a little crooked. It's a, little, it's a little crooked. She worked hard on it. So uh, I brought it because this one, uh, this one is basically what Allison was left with last week, which is just a pot formed by water, but now it's ready for the kiln. And, and now that's kind of where we're at here. This is, this is my kiln, one of my kilns. If I was going to do the next step of this pot right here, I would put this uh, down in there. In fact, I, I brought, uh, I'll show you kind of what I do. What's time? Oh, yeah, we're doing all right. All right, y'all don't, no, don't get scared or nothing. I'm going to light it real quick. Y'all all right? I'll burn my Bible. All right. So, I mean, I like fire. I could open this baby up, baby. I could touch Mark back there, scorch, scorch his little head if I wanted to. I'd give him a tan. Uh, I'm a, I'll turn it off. I'll leave it at that. Don't you want, I don't want to be that guy on YouTube. 
Some of y'all already got your cameras out, and you're like, oh, God, this is going to be awesome. Preacher's going to blow somebody up. <laughs> so just down in my heart, the spirit of truth said, don't light it again. <laughs> he said, I blew it out that time for you. <laughs> Do not light it again. Let me make sure it's turned all the way off. I don't want to be that fella right there. All right, so you get the point. So I could, man, I could blow that thing up. In fact, it would... There's a hole over here. I would stick that thing in there. I actually turned it on yesterday for about 30 minutes, and it gets so hot. I mean, just the radiant heat from that furnace, and it gets cooking on the inside. And I'll be real honest, whenever I was starting with this series, I kind of already had a plan for what fire was going to be. And I really thought that fire was going to be adversity, that, you know, sometimes God puts us in the fire to do this, and that would have been a a good message. But, But really... Just this week and how we ended last week, I just knew that that's, the Lord wants to go a different direction. So I want to show you some scriptures because I told you last week that the Holy Spirit, in, in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, He's described as water, but He's also described as fire. He's described as oil. He's, he came down like a dove. And every one of those, if you were to study those out, they give you a different picture of the gentleness like a, like a dove. Of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit, he's a perfect gentleman, right? He's not like a buzzard. He's not a crow. Well, why didn't God call you a buzzard or a crow? Because he's not like that. He comes like a dove. And so every picture that we have of the Holy Spirit, it shows us a different facet of him. And there's, there's a lot in the scripture that talks about the fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and in fact, if you look in the Old Testament, the Bible says that, that they were led through the wilderness with a cloud by day. And does anybody know it? Fire by, fire by night. If you remember, Moses, he came up to a burning bush, but it wasn't consumed. And that bush is on fire. And God told Moses, he says, take your shoes off. Because the Bible says that God, his spirit, was in that bush. The fire of God's spirit was there. He says, take your shoes off because you're standing in the presence of God. I mean, I don't think he took his shoes off. I bet he slung them halfway across the desert. Little little sandals came flying off. Why? Because he just knew there was something about the presence of God. There was fire. Isaiah or Ezekiel said that, that the Spirit of God is like fire shut up in my bones. That's the way he described the Holy Spirit. In the book of Revelations, Jesus, talking to the churches, he says, I wish you were either on fire or I wish that you were cold. Because he says, I don't really like you lukewarm. So we see these different parts of, of, of fire all throughout the Bible, but I want to show you a couple of scriptures that, that, that uh, they're in your worship God. Some of them are in your worship God. Some of them I couldn't fit all of them in your worship God, but they'll put up on the screen behind me. If you'll put Luke chapter three up behind me, Luke chapter three. Verse number 16 and 17. You got it up there? John answered, and this is John the Baptist. How many y'all know who John the Baptist is? How many y'all think John was Baptist? Who knows? 
that this is where the Baptists obviously got, they, they named their organization after this. But John, he is baptizing people. Or the word baptize just means to immerse. And I told you last week that as they're making that pot, that pot was just immersed in water. It's 100% covered in water. It's holding water. There's water there, a lot of water there. The Holy Spirit was in that forming or shaping of the process. But here, John the Baptist, he's immersing people in water. He's dipping them in water. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. If you remember whenever you got saved, you asked Jesus into your heart. Uh, the, the way that that came about was through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit put it on somebody's heart to give you a track or to write a book or to pen a song or to approach you and share the gospel with you. And then the Holy Spirit prompted you down on the inside to respond to that invitation. How many of y'all took a couple of invitations? <laughs> took me about a solid 20, right? Because the Holy Spirit, whenever I would sit in a service or I would talk to someone, he would, down on the inside, he would want me to respond to that. But there were other voices. How many of y'all know those other voices I'm talking about? Don't do it. You're not ready. You can't blah, blah, blah. You're not good enough. These other voices. And there's this war going on. But the Holy Spirit is using that individual to bring me some water and he's trying to get me to drink of that water and then to get baptized into that water and now what John says John says he says he says uh, uh, I as for me I baptize you with what water but he says but one capital O there speaking of Jesus he says but Jesus is coming and he's mightier than I and he says, I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with what? The Holy Spirit. And what? Fire. He says, there's somebody that's coming after me. He's going to immerse you in something that, that, that's, that's the opposite of water. And he says, and when he immerses you or submerges you in this fire, he says, things are going to be different for you. So I want to talk a little bit about what, what this means or what he's talking about. And some of you, are, you already got like preconceived ideas because immediately you think, is, it, is that tongues? Are we talking about tongues? Sha-ba-ba-ba-ba? Is that where we're going today? We're going, we're going sha-ba-ba-ba-ba? My, my Yahama? Uh, Suzuki? Suzuki, is that where we're going, Suzuki? So, and that, that, that this is one, one facet of the Holy Spirit, but it frustrates me, quite honestly, that we put... The Holy Spirit, and I believe it's the deception of the devil to dilute him down to a language because he's so much more. I'm way more than an American, and I speak a lot more than English. And yet I believe he is a, a spirit. He's a deceiver. That's what the devil does. He wants to deceive. He wants to dilute. He wants to manipulate. He wants to mess up. And I believe he has in a lot of cases that, that he's relegated the Holy Spirit to, well, that's, that's a language thing. It's, it's really not. It's a fire thing. And fire does something to pots that nothing else will do. That, that water forms and creates, but, but there's something that fire does to take it from this state to this state. This one, it's just got a different sound, baby. It just sounds. If I did that to that pot, it would break. 
this one is different. Are they both valuable? Are they both necessary? Are they both vessels? They're absolutely both vessels, and they both could be used to some degree. But John here, he says, he says there is somebody that's coming, and he's going to immerse you in fire. So I want to look at well, 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 what is that for? And, and if the Holy Spirit is like fire, then, then what does he do? And if you got your, your, your book there, the first thing there, uh, your, your worship guide, the Holy Spirit, he frees. How many of y'all remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many of y'all remember them three Hebrew boys? And King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, bow down. You're going to bow down. You're going to worship me. And they said, no, sir, we're not. And everybody else bowed down. He says, now I'm going to need you to bow down. He says, no, sir, we can't do that. Uh, we refuse to do that. So the Bible said, he said, turn on the furnace. Light up the kiln and make it seven times hotter than it's ever been before. And the Bible says that, that he threw those three Hebrew boys into that fire. But if you look in Daniel chapter 3, and I gave you the verse there. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 25. Nebuchadnezzar, he said, he says, look, I see four men. Remember John, he says that there's a baptizer and he, he'll be with you or he uses fire as a means. He says, he says, he says I see four men walking around in the fire unbound I might say unbound in other words they went into the fire totally bound but they weren't helpless they were bound but but there was a fourth man in the fire there was the the, the Jesus was there is who the fourth man was the baptizer that John was talking about was in the fire with them and now they went in bound but now they're not bound anymore and they're unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a son of God's. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's ignorant. He didn't understand the son of God. He, was, he just knew that what he saw was extravagant, extraordinary. But, but fire, it frees. It freed these boys. And I see a lot of people that, that get bound by certain things, and they can't get free. And uh, there's a power in the Holy Spirit that brings freedom. That won't come other ways. I can tell you, I've seen a lot of people, uh, myself, having come out of addiction, a lot of being bound by a lot of stuff. There's a power in the Holy Spirit that's just, that he's not there, it's not there anywhere else. Water forms and shapes, and water's incredibly powerful. Go look at the Grand Canyon. It's pretty remarkable what water can do. But there is a fire that frees. The second thing that fire does is, is it seals. This cup... It's sealed, and I gave you a verse up under that one, and that verse is, is Ephesians chapter 1. It says, uh, it says, and you were included in Christ. I'm you know, glad you've been included in Christ. In other words, you're a believer. You're saved. You're going to heaven. You were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. Somebody gave you the message of truth. You became a believer. You got saved. And that's great. You became a vessel of honor. It's wonderful. He says the gospel of your salvation is what brought you the truth. But when you believed, he says you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And, and if you look, Jesus told them, he says, do not leave. He told his disciples, Jesus told 500 individuals. He says, he says, fellas, ladies, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise or the seal of the Holy Spirit. We know that 500 did not show up. 120, they showed up to the upper room. And on the day of Pentecost, there came a sound as of a Russian mighty wind. And, 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 and we have the story of Pentecost. But there's a seal. Listen, fire is, is what sealed this thing right here. 
I shouldn't have brought my daughter's pot because I kind of want to tap on it. But if I did that, it would be damaging to my sweet Ansley, right? Because if, if, if I did, it would crumble. Why? Well, it, it's, it's just not sealed. This, this, it, it created a barrier. And again, I've seen a lot of people that they seem to just fall back into certain patterns, certain routines, certain addictions. And they say, I just can't get away from it. I just can't get away from it. It keeps pulling me back in. It keeps pulling me back in. It keeps pulling me back in. I get free of it, right? I get free of it. But then it just blah, 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 blah. And, and, and that's what fire does to pottery is it makes this seal. The third thing that it does is it equips. Because what does it seal it for? Well, well, now this thing is an actually, it's a container. Now, I, I, I could use this thing right here. I, I can't use this. If I poured water in this, it would return to mud. That's just the facts. It would hold water to an extent for a short period of time. But this one goes from just having been formed by God's presence to now it carries God's presence. And instead of just having God's presence in it, which we all have, and we're all vessels of honor, we all have the Holy Spirit, we're all led by the Holy Spirit, you can hear His voice, but now this one becomes a container for the Holy Spirit. It's sealed, it's equipped, and it's got a different sound. And it's used for a different purpose. You say, well, well what does it equip you for? Well, what are some of the purposes for? Well, one of the purposes is for prayer. That the Holy Spirit, He equips us to pray for things that otherwise we wouldn't be able to pray for. And then the other thing He equips us for is in your worship God. It says, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. He says, there's the power there when who? When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? Witnesses. In other words, he, he, you become a container to be a witness. You're saying, I can't be a witness without? No, I'm telling you that you absolutely can. But I'm saying there becomes, a, you, you become a vessel that God, that you can just carry a, a different amount, I guess, if you want to say. And he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses for me in Judea, Samaria, uh, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That there, there's a power, there's a container that you become so that you can not just have God's presence, but you can carry God's presence. And don't get me wrong, because I know some people, well, I, know, I already got God's presence. And you absolutely do. But, but there, there is a difference here. There is a difference here. And if you look, I'll give you this scripture here. And this is Paul, the Apostle Paul. And this is Acts chapter, chapter 2. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. They'll put it up there. It's not in your worship, God. I couldn't put all of them in your worship, God. Listen to all the paper turning. Y'all still got paper? Good for y'all. Y'all must be old like me. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. This is all about the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, he says, Apollos was at Corinth. In other words, Apollos was a preacher. He would go around preaching to people. He was a fabulous preacher. But then Paul came behind Apollos, and he took a road through the interior, and he arrived at Ephesus. 
And he says he found some disciples. Everybody say disciples. So these are followers of Jesus. They've already been saved, right? These are people, they're going to heaven. And yet Paul walks up to them and he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered and said, we hadn't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was such a thing. He didn't tell them, well, you're not saved. You don't have the Holy Spirit. But he says, there, there's something else. He says, have you, have you heard about the, the Holy Spirit? What he does? And they says, no, no, we, 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 we've, never, we've never heard of that. Why are we having the teaching that we're having today? So that, so that we're all informed, right? So, so that we're, we're informed. So let's see what Paul does next. So Paul, he says, he says, well, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. Verse number four. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He immersed you in water. It cleansed. It refreshed. It made you come alive. I mean, I'm glad you had that baptism. But he told the people, he says, believe in the one that's coming after him, and that is in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues or in another language and they prophesied. So you can see there's two different experiences happening here. And, and they just didn't know. They just weren't aware of what the Holy Spirit is. And then this is where we get this word tongues, which gives a lot of people a lot of problems. And, you know, there's lots of... Is it still there? Is it still this? Is it still that? Well, I want to look at her. There's a few things that I want to talk to you about. What, what is uh, praying in other tongues and what is it for? And why do we have it? And I've got four or five things I'm going to give you. And your, your worship guide's there. And we're going to look at a few of these scriptures that have to do with it so that you can know. But tongues is just, it's just another uh, a word for language or it's a spiritual language. That's what it is. It's a spiritual language. So I'm going to refer to it a lot like that this morning. God bless you, Josh. So, so let's look at these. If you've got your worship guide, it just says, when you pray in your prayer language. When you pray in your prayer language, number one is you pray in your own personal prayer language. In other words, it's personal uh, to you. It's not like anybody else's. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 2. They're going to put it up on the screens behind me. It says, for anyone who speaks in a tongue or in a prayer language does not speak to men, but to who? He ain't out talking to men, right? In fact, they started getting kind of wonky. I mean, know what wonky means. But in, in 1 Corinthians, they started... They started, they would get together and they're, they're speaking tongues kind of to each other. And Apostle Paul would come behind him. He says, those people don't know what you're saying. I mean, I know that's right. They don't know what you're saying. And here he says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the spirit, he speaketh mysteries. Or this translation, it says, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in his spirit. So one of the things that praying in your prayer language is, it's you praying in your own personal prayer language. It's not you reading a creed. It's not you reading a, a, a prayer. This is something that's tailor-fit, customized. It's your spirit talking to God's spirit. 
right? And he tells you, he says, your mind's unfruitful. Your mind doesn't know what you're saying. What I like to know, though, is the devil doesn't know what you're saying either. Which is pretty cool. Because if I'm praying for my wife to have a safe trip or something like that, and I'm praying in a non-heavenly language, how many of y'all know the devil doesn't live in heaven? How many of y'all know he don't know no heavenly languages? That boat already sailed, right? And, and he lived in heaven, right? But he got sailed right out of heaven. So now, whenever you get this personal prayer language, even though your mind is unfruitful, the, the more beautiful thing is the devil's mind is unfruitful. He's ignorant of your prayers. So number two, the second thing is, it, is, is when you pray in your prayer language, you're spiritually charged. How many of y'all got an iPhone? How many of y'all got the other people? Lord, we pray for these people. If they come in too. The 21st, yes, Lord, the 21st century. Just kidding. I get Josh our time. He's got a flip phone. Anybody else got a flip phone? Lord, have mercy. It's still got to be charged. That's right. I actually, uh, I got in a bind because Ray came to the men's thing. My phone died in the middle of the, win- in the men's thing, and uh, I, my phone was dead for probably seven or eight hours. How many of y'all know the remedy for that phone? Don't throw that phone away. There's nothing wrong with the phone. There's, it's not been charged. And, and Philemon here, he says in the, in the verse that he's going to put it up on, on the screen behind me, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, He that speaks in his prayer language or in an unknown tongue, he edifies. That word literally means he charges himself. So what you're doing is you're not just mumbo-jumboing. Right? No, no, no. You're charging the most powerful part of you is your spirit. The part of you that lives forever is your spirit. We'll spend hours in the gym charging our biceps. And yet God devised a way that the part of you that lives forever, you charge your spirit. How? He says, when when you speak. When you use your heavenly language, the third thing that praying in the other tongues or praying in your prayer language does is it causes you to magnify and worship God more appropriately. And man, I'm kind of running out of time. It's really frustrating, but I love you all. Uh, I want to read this this passage here because in, in Acts chapter 2, after... The, the day of Pentecost came, Jesus invited 500, 120 showed up, and the Bible says Mary was there, and all the disciples were there, there are all these people there, and there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and a cloven tongue of fire set upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance, and then they began to spill out into the streets, and, and, and Peter, who was a coward before, he had denied Jesus three times, 
he got up and he began to preach, right, in front of the whole city. And the Bible says that 3,000 people got saved that day. The church was born. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And, and it was amazing. And as these 120 are spilling out into the streets, they're praying in, in, these, in this language, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. And verse number 7, it says, everybody... This is Acts 2, uh, verse 7, Christian. Everybody was utterly amazed. And they said, are not all these people speaking Galileans? Aren't all these people from Galilee? They should be speaking Galilean. And he says, how is it that we each hear in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, that's it. Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phygeria, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. And they're saying, all these people are coming out of here. They're Galileans, but they're speaking dialects that there's no way that they could possibly know. He says these people are Jews and converts to Judaism. They're Cretans and Arabs. And listen to what they hear them saying. They say, we hear them in these languages declaring the wonderful works of God or the wonders of God. Really interesting. So what they're hearing is not this religious whatever, even though they can understand it. They're hearing these people magnify and worship God. They're declaring the wonderful works of God. I had, I had a, a couple of pictures that Christian is going to put up here. I, I kind of I, I, I geek out on some type of space stuff and National Geo, Nat Geo and all that kind of junk. This is called the Pillars of Creation. The Hubble Telescope, you know, it went out about 30 years ago and it, it, it orbits the earth and it's about 570 kilometers from the earth. Like from where we're standing, Hubble is 570 kilometers. Well, they've, they've, they're decommissioning Hubble and now they've got a new telescope that they put out there called the John Webb telescope and it's one and a half million miles from earth so we go from 570 miles to earth to 1.5 million miles that's how far the way they got it up there is they got it up there and once it was kind of where Hubble was they shot another rocket off of it and launched it up one and a half million miles and what they're trying to get pictures of is pictures of deep space Things that we've never, that you can't wrap your little pinochle brain around. And, and this is Hubble. This is not even one and a half miles away. Each one of those stars is 100 times bigger than our sun. There's stuff you hadn't even dreamed of. Put Jupiter up there. See, see that, that, that orange circle right there? That's a storm that you could fit three Earths inside that storm Katrina ain't got nothing on Jupiter's <laughs> Jupiter's system that they got going listen I could have pulled out 10,000 scriptures that Hubble's taken over the past 30 years of all of this stuff how could we ever in our natural language magnify God appropriately you can't baby but he can and they came spilling out on the day of Pentecost Talking about the wonders of God. I mean, I know they didn't even have a Hubble. And yet they were talking and saying things that just blew these people's minds. So it just helps you worship. The Apostle Paul, he says, I will sing in the spirit. He says, I'll sing in, in, in my prayer language. 
And he says, and I'll sing in my understanding. He says, I'll pray in the spirit. He says, I'll pray in my understanding. The Holy Spirit comes to help us worship so that you can worship him for stars you didn't even know exist. Galaxies that you never could dream of. But the Holy Spirit, he says, I've seen things that you know not of. And he says, I'll help you to worship. The verse that I gave you in your worship guide is Acts chapter 10. It says, they heard them speak with tongues or in their prayer language and they magnified God. The last thing that the Holy Spirit does for you whenever you're praying in your prayer language is when you pray in your prayer language, you have spirit led or uh, he helps you to pray more effectively. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. They'll put it up behind me. It says, in the same way, the Spirit, He helps us in our weaknesses when we do not know what to pray as we ought to pray for. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. In other words, the Holy Spirit, one of the main jobs I told you, He equips you, right? He, he equips you as a different sound. Uh, he gives you that so that you can pray for things that you don't know how to pray for effectively. It'd be very difficult for me to pray for Brandon and what he's going to be doing five years from now, right? He may live in South Dakota and own a Harley-Davidson shop. I don't know what's going to happen to Brandon in five years from now. I mean, I know the Holy Spirit knows where him and his Harley-Davidson will be in five years. And the Holy Spirit will have me to pray for Brandon, but I'm limited in my prayer for him, right? But he's not, the Holy Spirit, he's not bound to the limitations that, that we're bound to. So I can pray in English, right? In my understanding, I can pray for Brandon. But then the Holy Spirit come alongside and he equips me and makes me a container to hold his prayers. His prayers for Brandon. God wants to pray for us, right? He's a father. He's a heavenly father. He wants to protect us from all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How does he do that? Well, he prompts people to pray. And people pray in their understanding and they pray to the best of their ability. But then the Holy Spirit comes along and fills their container with his prayers. And then those prayers are poured out of that container over Brandon's life. And the Bible says that our prayers go up before God like incense. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's the reason why it gets frustrating a little bit to me because whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, people relegate him to a, their, their Pentecostal, right? That's people with bobby pins. It's, it's really a lot more than just a denomination. The fire of God, it purifies, it cleanses, it seals, it, 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 it equips for service. He equips for prayer. And, and, and he takes things out of you that you can't see. You know, I told you last week that I like to watch these uh, survivor men and they drop naked people in, 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 on, on islands and they got to live, you know, for they got this new one now alone. They drop them off and whoever stays out there alone by themselves lasts the longest. You know, and I told you they, the first things they look for is they want protein, they want a good source of water, and they want shelter, and they want, what's the last one? They want fire. The reason they want that fire is not just so that they stay warm, but the reason they want that fire is so that they can boil that water. And that little mouse that they catch, they want to cook that mouse. Why? You don't want to be eating no raw mouse. There's things in that mouse that you can't see. 
But that fire takes care of those things in that water. That fire takes care of those things in that food that, that you're taking in or you're, you're consuming. And so the Holy Spirit is so much more. You say, okay, well, how, then, then how do we do it? And the last part of your worship, God, is, well, well how do you... Uh, I understand, I see there's, there's two different experiences. Everybody gets saved, but then there's also this immersion into fire. Just like you don't have to be baptized in water to get saved. You don't have to be baptized in fire to get saved. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I've already showed you a few places I could show you more where there's a different experience. Have you believed since you believed? Have you, have you, have you had this experience? And so, so if you say, well, well how do you have the, the experience? Well, there's a couple things. First one is you have to be saved. Right? You, have to, you have to be born again. John chapter 3, uh, Jesus, he said this, John chapter 3, verse number 3, he says, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus, for the, for the forgiveness of your sins, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. The next one is, is you, must, you must believe in the Holy Spirit. The whole reason why, why we're having this teaching is because at some point in your life, you were taught about Jesus. Some point in your life, you were taught about Jesus. And whether you've submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus or you have not submitted yourself to the Lordship of Jesus, you were taught about Jesus. You're taught about the cross. You were taught about the, the, his blood being shed. You were probably taught about hell, fire, and brimstone. I mean, I know it's a pretty easy sell. You can go and burn in the lake of fire and your flesh falls off your bones forever. Or you can go to the pearly gates. You're like, I like pearl. <laughs> the streets are made of gold. I like gold. Right, it's pretty, pretty easy sale, right? But, but you had that story, right? It, it, was, it was told to you. And, and whenever you're told that, the Bible says that faith came for that. Right? You had faith in the blood of Jesus. You had faith in the cross. You had faith in heaven. And you responded to that faith because it was built on knowledge. So after you're born again, then you just have to learn about the person of the Holy Spirit, which is why I felt like the Lord took me a different path this morning was not to talk about adversity, but to talk to you about fire. Because there, there is a difference. The, the third thing is it says that you have to desire the gift of the Holy Spirit. That this has to be something, that, that this is something that you, that you want. Jesus stood up on John chapter 7 on the last day of the great feast. I showed you this verse last week. And he says, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. The fourth thing you have to do is you have to ask for you have to say, hey, I got understanding on this, and now I have faith for it. God, I'm asking you the same way I ask for salvation. How I many of know you, you haven't seen Jesus? Most of you, I don't think you've seen Jesus. You haven't seen heaven. You haven't seen God. But by faith, you reached out. You grabbed hope to eternal life. You grabbed a hope to Jesus, the blood of Jesus. You grabbed a hope to the kingdom of heaven, and you pulled unseen realities into your reality. They're real, they're just unseen realities, but by faith you reached out because you had understanding and you laid hold on eternal life is what the Bible says. And the moment you laid hold on eternal life, the Bible says you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. And, but you did that by faith. 
and, and, and you brought it into it, so, but you had to do that. You had to ask for it. And then the last thing is, is that you have to do the, the speaking. Or in other words, I think sometimes people think whenever they're asking the Holy Spirit, you're saying, Holy Spirit, I want, I want, I want, I want to be sealed by you. I want, uh, I want to be purified by you. I want, I want what Paul told uh, the people at Cornelius. He says, have you heard of the Holy Spirit? And I, I had never heard of him, but now I want the Holy Spirit. And, and we think that the Holy Spirit's going to jump all over us. Like he's going to just like come make you do whatever. I told you he's a, he's a perfect gentleman. He's a gentleman. He is like a dove. He really is. He's a gentleman. So whenever it comes to responding to the Holy Spirit, you're just yielding to him. You yielded your Lord, your, your life to Jesus. You said, Jesus, I give you my life. And then what you're doing with the Holy Spirit is you're yielding and then with your mouth. This is where, where your mouth is involved. With your mouth, you begin to magnify God, worship God, and then as you begin to speak, he comes into your speaking. In other words, I know lots of times people, they kind of get hung up on this. People, uh, and they think that, that the Holy Spirit's like going to grab their tongue and like go, <laughs> that's what they think. It's not gonna, he's not going to do that. He would never do that. What, what he's going to do is as you're praying, he's going to come into your prayer. In other words, if you're, if you're just like, he's not going to like come and go, he's not going to do that. As you're worshiping, he's going to come into your worship. And, and as you're praying, he's going to come into your prayer. Whenever my wife uh, got baptized or immersed in fire or filled with the Holy Spirit, she was driving her car down I-49. And she was worshiping the Lord. She had her worship music on. Back then, it was probably the first Hill song before they were like, it was like Darlene Check. How many of you know Darlene Check? Give it up for Darlene Check. Back, Darlene, you know, so my wife is in her Mazda M6 driving from Alexandria to Baton Rouge on I-49 South. And she's got her music up and she's worshiping God. And he comes into her worship. How, why did he come into her worship? Well, because she had welcomed him into her worship because she had, she had gotten a book called Why Tongues. She had read that book and she said, man, I, I need this. I need this in my life. I want this in my life. But as she's driving down I-49 South, she's worshiping God. And then he comes into her worship and she becomes to magnify him in a language that she didn't understand. She's all by herself, right? Nobody was there. And so she called me when she goes, she goes, I've been praying in the Holy Spirit for like two hours. I can't stop. I was like, okay. I don't get overly excited, right? If somebody gave me a million dollars, I'd be like, right on. Uh, so I was like, I'm ha I don't even remember what I said. Hey, I'm happy for you, whatever. You'll be, you'll use it forever. You, you'll, you'll wonder what life was like before he ever came into your worship. He came into your prayer life. But the point is, is that he's not going to make you do whatever. But as you worship, as you pray, he'll come in because out of your desire, you say, I'm thirsty. Out of your knowledge, you say, I need that. And then with your faith, you lay hold to that.